title, as a number of the Psalms do. And the title of this one is, A Prayer of Moses, the Man of God. This is the only psalm that we know of that's attributed to Moses. And because it's part of inspired scripture, we receive it not simply as the historical prayer of Moses in the past, but it actually can become for us our prayer. It becomes something that teaches us about who God is, how God sees us, how God made us, how God responds to us. But then also it becomes for us a model of how we can learn to approach God. And one of the many things we learn uh, from this psalm is from those opening lines. Moses, interestingly enough, the first 11 verses of the prayer, he doesn't ask the Lord for anything. He simply comes before God and approaches him and acknowledges who God is and some of the qualities about God and some of the things that are true about our relationship with God. And then only in verses 12 through 17 we hear Moses ask. But this is one of the, the primary things that Moses acknowledges in verse 1. He says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Brothers and sisters, we were created for heaven. Heaven not so much as a place, although I guess that's true, as this. We were created to be surrounded by, to be protected and sheltered by, to be embraced in the loving presence and favor of God. God was supposed to be our home. You know, in the Bible you hear about, uh, in the Old Testament, that the people were surrounding the tabernacle and God dwelt in the tent that that's amazing truth but this is pointing back to the the more profound initial truth is that we actually got to dwell in God and that's what God wants for us but unfortunately as the psalm bears out in many of its phrases that is something that we have lost I have been able to observe firsthand over the last several years, a story that I think sort of illustrates this in a powerful way. This past week was Halloween. Uh, in the church, we, all, we call it All Hallows' Eve. It's to talk about that season of celebrating what we've just done, the, the grace of God that makes us new people, that makes us saints. Three years ago, I walked into a house with our two oldest girls trick-or-treating, and it was a house where somebody was enjoying a wonderful, well-kept home inside and out. They were living their dream. And this person had uh, a wonderful Halloween gift for our girls, and we got to see, and, and uh, you could, it was one of those houses that was so clean and so neat as a pen that you just about would feel comfortable eating out of the sinks. What's amazing, though, is that uh, just this past week, so three, three years further down the road, it's a total transformation. This person is literally being evicted from their house. It, it looks shambles both inside and is even beginning to show some signs outside of, of not being well kept. And so suddenly this person is going in three years time from enjoying a wonderful home and a wonderful dwelling place and now it is looking very sad and they're actually having to move out of that home. That's really us. That's exactly what happened 
when we were created by God and we were placed in the midst of this beautiful garden, we had this wonderful opportunity to be in face-to-face -face and heart-to-heart -heart communion with God. And death had no place in this world. And yet, as Moses knew so well, not only from the time of the fall, but then his own perspective of having seen the children of Israel being restored to that wonderful promise, at least in part, and yet they rejected it. The signs of death, the signs of God's disfavor. But the good news is this, is that that's not the last word. Part of the reason I think it's important to recognize that this psalm is not simply Moses' prayer of, and, and wishful thinking back then, but it's actually a prayer that we can receive in hope. It has to do with the way that Moses prays. Hear what he says in verses 12 and 14. Verse 12, and he's, he's continuing to pray, but now he's beginning to ask God. So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And then he says in verse 14, Make us glad for as many days as you have afflicted us and for as many years as we have seen evil. I don't think the Holy Spirit allows such a prayer to enter into uh, the canon of Scripture and it to be an empty prayer. I think this is intended to be a prayer in which we can pray it with hope. Even in the midst of whatever struggle that we're experiencing because of sin, maybe we're experiencing God's loving but hard discipline in our lives, or maybe it's just simply the fact that we are living with these the side effects of sin in this broken world, a world which is full of trouble and toil and difficulty and problems because our first parents chose to sin and we followed in their footsteps. But whatever may be the case, I think that there's hope of restoration. And ultimately, we're taught to seek that restoration not in the sacrifices of the Old Testament, but the things to which those sacrifices pointed. Not through... The, the priests of the Old Testament period, and certainly not through Barry and I as sort of New Testament priests, but through the one who became the priest, the final priest, and that is Jesus Christ. And so that's why the writer of Hebrews could say some wonderful words to us about how we can draw near to God. Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 through 25 says this, But because Jesus lives forever he has a permanent priesthood therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them saints are not people who at the end of their life look back and say wow I lived a great life a flawless life I've established myself before God no, saints are simply people who, hopefully sooner than later, have learned to say, along with Moses, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And they've learned to say in so many words, while looking to Jesus, satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. And that's exactly what God offers us. A meal that we can receive by faith, looking to the Son of God who's risen from the dead, so that we might find restoration and forgiveness. That the dwelling place in God himself, which we lost, from which we've been evicted, we can be restored to that, to that through him. So I invite us in this time of remembrance 
to draw near with faith and with repentant hearts to receive this good gift of the Lord's Supper in remembrance of the one who established it for us. So let's draw near, saints of God, to lift up our hearts and give praise to God as we pray together. Let's pray. Blessed are you, O God, who with your word and Holy Spirit created us in all things and called them good. You created us in your holy image that we might live in fellowship with you and reflect your likeness to one another and in our lives before you in the world. In Jesus Christ, the word through whom you created all things became flesh and lived among us. Through Jesus' suffering and death for us, you took upon yourself our sin and death and destroyed their power forever. You raised from the dead this same Jesus, who now reigns with you in glory, and poured out upon us your Holy Spirit, making those of us who repent and believe once again your saints, the holy people of your new covenant. Father, we thank you that on the night before meeting with death, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we thank you that when the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, gave it to the disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us. Father, pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and cup, that in the breaking of this bread and the drinking of this cup, we may know the presence of the living and risen Christ and be renewed as the body of Christ for the world, redeemed by Christ's blood, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast with him and all your saints at your table forever. Through Christ, with Christ, in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. And all the saints of God said, Amen.